Ever notice that people love to have a backup plan? Now, if, if you're anything like me, you scout stuff out from the beginning. You always want to have an option to get away, to escape, to choose something else if you can. But as I've come to find out, you cannot have it both ways. 1 Kings 18 and 21 says, And Elijah came to the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. But the people answered him, Not a word. Now that's so important. They didn't say anything. They, they didn't want to speak out because they wanted to have the option of going either way. Can I just give you a little side note? This really has nothing to do with what I'm talking about today, but neutrality is not an option. A, a woman by the name of Ellie Weissel, she was a concentration camp victim, said one time, we must always take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor and never the tormented. You cannot be neutral. It's just not a possibility. In one way or another, you're going to pick a side, even if you try to remain neutral. Just a side note. But these people wanted to have both choices. And it wasn't then, and it is not now an option. People by nature, we love to be in control. We like to keep every avenue open, just in case. If this doesn't work out for me, I can always go this other way. If this person does this, well, I can always bow out and go this way. We love to have our options open. We like to say that we're all in. We like to say, yes, yes, I'm all in. You've got all of me, all of my support. But secretly, we want to have a foot somewhere else. Whether it's a job or a workout routine, a diet, a relationship, if, if, you, if it's in your faith, you're going to have to make a decision at some point if you want it to be successful. You have to decide to commit 100%. And that is hard for us. We, we often don't want to choose to fully submit to the Lord because with that comes a price we don't like to pay. It's number one, our control, and number two, our time. When we finally choose to relinquish our control, we have to follow him with obedience. And as you know, obedience is hard. Obedience is tough. Self-discipline is the hardest thing in the world to master. This kind of obedience requires blind trust, which is why the Bible says that it's better than sacrifice. One of the reasons we are so afraid of that is because it often includes a portion of the waiting game. Now listen, we hate to wait. We don't like to wait in line. We don't like to wait for results from the gym. We go one time and we expect to be 15 pounds lighter. We don't like to wait on the seasons to change. We don't like to wait through a commercial. <laughs> we don't like to wait for anything. We want things our way on our timetable. And often, because of that, we miss the best things that God has for us. Now, listen, I'm right there with you. I don't like to wait. Waiting is hard. And I have spent what seems like a great amount of time in my life waiting. And sometimes I'm 
waiting and I feel like there's never going to be an answer. Currently, I'm in a waiting game of sorts and I don't know when the Lord is going to answer me. And that can be really difficult. Isaiah 30, 15 says, In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. But you would not. You would not. In other words, the Lord was saying, I wanted to mend you. I wanted to build you up, to provide for you blessings that you didn't even know about. But you wouldn't wait for me. You wouldn't put down your own will long enough for me to complete what I started. You would have none of it because you wanted it your way. Now, I know what you're, how you're feeling. I know how frustrating, like I said, I know how frustrating and how hard it can be to wait. But I can also tell you from experience that nothing good happens by taking things into your own hands. That's generally when we start overreacting. We make rash decisions and we begin to perform poorly just because we're tired of waiting. Have you ever sat long enough that... Or I know for me, like I've asked somebody to do something and I've waited and waited and waited. And when they don't do it on the timetable that I've set, I'll, I'll get upset inside and I'll think, well, I'll just do it myself. There's no point in waiting. And I get up and do it myself. But what did I do by doing that? Well, number one, I ended up doing the very thing that I asked somebody else to do, which is kind of nonsense. But I did that myself. And we do that to ourselves with the Lord. We think, well, I've waited on you long enough, God, and you didn't do it, so I'm going to do it myself. And let me just tell you, it will never be what it could have been if you do it yourself. In Mark 4, we find the disciples on the sea with Jesus in tow. But you might know the story. Jesus is asleep in the stern. And the Bible says that a great storm arose. Now, this was not some little piddly rainstorm. This was a storm with high winds and wild waves. It was crazy. And I can just imagine these guys frantically pulling sails and making sure there's no water coming on board. And and I imagine there probably was. And they're continually, you know, running around, probably screaming at each other orders and telling each other where they're going. And it was just mayhem. And I imagine during that time, they were glancing over their shoulders, perhaps a a little perplexed and probably slightly appalled that Jesus just seems to be enjoying what a Sunday afternoon nap while they're scared for their lives. And they're in all this distress. And finally, they they scream out to him. The Bible says they said, but I, I have imagined it was probably a scream. Don't you care that we're about to die? Do you not see what is happening here? We're, we're hanging on for dear life and you're just chilling in the, the back of the boat asleep. And they are so upset and they're like, wake up. Don't we feel like that sometimes? We're confused and every once in a while we might say or maybe even yell, Hey, Lord, have we met? (laughs) You know, it's me, the one with um, the life that's tragic at best. Could you pay attention to me, please? Do you not see that this situation I'm in is awful? 
Do you not realize that the winds of life are blowing at a rapid rate and I'm desperate and I'm hurting? I do, I, don't you care about me? Don't you understand what I'm going through? Don't you see how, how much that I have been waiting and I've been waiting? And it's at that critical moment that we often make the mistake of leaving the scene. We decide we've had enough. We're not going to sit in this anymore. We are not going to allow this to keep going on. We're going to make changes. And that's when we start doing things. And that's when we start messing it up. Now, those men could have made a decision right there. They could have jumped overboard and let themselves be at mercy of the sea. They could have done a million and one things. But instead, they turned around and they called on the only man that they knew could help them. But it's the next part of this story where it gets really good. Jesus stands up. He does not scream. He doesn't even raise his voice. Instead, he calmly commands the outcome with his words. And he says, peace, be still. And the wind ceased And the Bible says there was a great calm. Now the word calm there, if you look it up in the Greek, which I don't talk about this kind of thing a lot, but if you do look it up, it means of an uncertain origin, tranquility. Meaning it came out of nowhere. That wind was wild and it had no intention of stopping. But when the master of all creation spoke, even in his subtle, soft voice, it instantaneously had to obey him. Jesus then looks at them and says, why are you so afraid? Why don't you have faith? So here you are, you're in a storm. Or perhaps maybe the stormy part is over, but you feel like you're treading water. And you have been for a long time. Maybe life isn't that bad, but you're just unsatisfied and you just don't see how anything good can happen anytime soon. Perhaps things have gone by and you think, Lord, there's no repairing what's past. It's already done. I can't promise you that you're not going to go through storms. I can't promise you that times are not going to get hard, that you won't be hurt or you won't be lonely, or things won't leave a scar. Because if I'm honest with you, they will. We all have scars. Some are deeper than others. But I can remind you today that you know the peace speaker. When Jesus spoke to the storm, it was the outcome that mattered. Not the storm that went by. Those disciples' boat was beat. They were beat. I'm sure there was probably an injury that happened during that time. I'm positive that that boat wasn't in the best condition it had ever been in. But it was the outcome after Jesus spoke to that storm and told it to be still that mattered to the disciples. As a matter of fact, they looked at one another and said that very thing. Who is this man? that can speak to a storm and it has to obey him. Maybe your child or loved one has gone through some terrible things and you think to yourself, man, I don't know how they could ever be healed. 
Can I tell you that a very real God is able to speak to that storm and remove every pain of every memory? I know the peace speaker, and so do you. And I can tell you this, that if you put all of your trust in him, your ladder will be greater than your past. And your best is yet to come. You can count on that. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's someone else. I don't, I don't know. But I do know this. If you will trust him, if you will hang on to him, even when the storm is raging, honey, you're going to make it. And the Lord will see you through. As always, I hope you have a great day. If you would like to reach out to me, please do so at carryfoxstudios at gmail.com.